Welcome to the Arrive Early, Leave Late podcast. I'm your host, Bethel Duran. Thank you so much for rolling with us these first couple of months. We're trying to figure it out. And by trying to figure it out, it means we want to listen to you. Keep reviewing. Keep rating. Keep letting us know what you like, what you don't like. We appreciate it all because this is a podcast for everybody. You don't have to be from L.A. because I know there's some of you that are listening that are hoping that one day you can make it up to the West Coast. Or you might be a transplant on the East Coast or in a different country. I've heard some of you reaching out to me say, thank you for taking me back home. Some of you guys really like when I mention the freeways, like the 10, the 405. Yes, that's how we say it out here. It's the 10, the 405, the 101. But it's the holiday season, which means you get to see friends, family, and reconnect. And you know what? We all got those relatives that tell us sports stories, like at Christmas time, you know, with my family, you know, the tamales are getting made, the back-in-the-day uncles, right? Or the, I could have gone pro cousins. Oh, but I messed up my knee. Like, or maybe you didn't have grades, or maybe you didn't have the talent. We all roll our eyes, right? We got it. Like, the tall tales come out during the holiday season. But here at the LA Times, we have a who's who of sports writers. They've been at the games. They've been in the stadiums. They've seen the stars light up the scoreboard. Let them tell the stories. And on Christmas Day, the NBA has taken over. You know, it used to be maybe one game. Then the Lakers would always play. I mean, I don't know how many Christmases I spent at Staples Center instead of being at home with the family. But we don't complain about it. You get to see some epic things. So why not bring in Brad Turner, who's covered the league since the 80s, before they were playing the Christmas games. We're switching it up a bit for the holidays. We're trying something different. So gather around. It's a little something we call story time. It's story time with the one and only BT, Brad Turner, joining us. Covered the NBA for so many years. Still doing it. I can't believe you were 22 years old covering Showtime. Think about that, man. I got a chance to see Magic, Kareem, Pat Riley was a coach, Michael Cooper, Byron Scott, James Worthy, Michael Thompson went through that time. Man, I'm a lucky dude. My career has been blessed beyond you could ever imagine. Tell me, how? How did that happen? And I was working for a weekly newspaper in Pasadena. We started covering some UCLA football because they had moved to the Rose Bowl, some USC football. So I told my boss, let's try the Lakers. So we sent them a letter requesting credentials. They said, okay, but you'll be able to come to just a few games here and there. Well, lucky for me and for us, Michael Cooper is from my high school in Pasadena. Yes. Shout them out. He sees me passing Wait, high school. Let's go Bulldogs. Come what? on now, BT. What? what? Bulldogs you all day to. long. Especially on Thanksgiving against Mirror. Forget it's, that. Hey, hey, hey. They well, don't want that. Don't bring up that other name right now. Come on, <laughs> Beth. Those are fighting words, We're not going to bring up the Mustangs. No, no, no. No, no. <laughs> like, did you go to SC or UCLA? Come on, pick a school. No, I'll pick you Pasadena because okay. BT's in front of me. There we go. But So Cooper's from Pasadena. He's from, he's from Pasadena. And he used to pick me up as this kid when I was in high school to play basketball. He was older than I was, obviously, but he picked me up just to go play. Then he also played at Pasadena City College, so he was around. He didn't go anywhere. Well, when he first saw me at the game, at the forum, the fabulous forum in Inglewood, he was like, what are you doing here? I said, hey, I'm a reporter. He goes, get out of here. I've known you my entire life. I said, yeah, I know I'm a reporter. And I explained to him that I might not be able to come very often. He goes, I'll take care of that. The PR director's name was Josh Rosenfeld. Very nice guy. Those two guys talked. Next thing I know, I was going to every home game. No way. And I had a courtside seat, 22 no years way. old. Looking around, going like, what am I doing here? So you were supposed to be, what, just the Bucks, Atlanta? Yeah, team like, yeah. Sunday night. <laughs> you know, Not yeah, before like Sunday the, night Laker games were cool. That, that was, yeah. Oh, yeah. All those, just a small little ones yeah. here. Maybe once a week. Yeah. Sure enough, there I am there for every home game. That's how I got started? 
That's how I got started. So you saw all the Showtime championships. I started seeing them when they finally beat Boston that year. 85. 85. That was the one we all, everyone thought when they lost to them, was it 84? Everyone thought like I did, they would never, ever, 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 to quote Shaq, beat the Celtics. Mm -hmm. It's just not going to happen. And then they lose game one in the finals to Boston. You're thinking, of course they're not going to beat them. They can't beat these guys. They got beat by a gazillion points in game one. Well, they finally broke through and beat them. 85, the Lakers win that title. Did they win at home? They won, wasn't it in Boston? Because oh, in Boston. it was yeah, in yeah. Boston. Yeah, yes. because I, that's why right. they, they didn't have home court advantage. They didn't. So that's when uh, Riley was celebrating. He's popping yes, champagne. Yes. Then 85, then 87, 88, you saw the back to back years. I saw the back to back years. And I thought it would be back to back to back, except that, uh, if I recall correctly, they had not lost a game in the playoffs. Mm -hmm. Pat Riley took the team to Santa Barbara for a little mini camp. Mm -hmm. And what happened to this mini camp? Byron Scott pulls a hamstring. So he can't play in the series that started in Detroit. They get to Detroit, and game one, who pulls another hamstring? Magic Johnson. So now your starting backcourt is out against the bad boys who wanted that title very, very bad, and they swept them. The games were competitive, but you can't lose Magic yeah. and Byron and expect to beat them. Man. Man, yes. Lucky guy, man. Did you get to do the parades too? I did the parades at City Hall. City Hall. You go down there, you know, you look up there, you see these people like, I just saw that politician on TV. <laughs> Tom Bradley, the man. Bradley, he's, he's a lot taller than I thought he yeah. was. And nicer. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Story time with oh, Brad yeah. Turner. He said it. Lucky guy. From a weekly newspaper to full-time NBA beat. Gotta love BT's hustle. A beat reporter's life is hard. And before you get me with the... They go to games for free. How hard is that? Let me just stop you right there. A team flies charter immediately after the game. Reporters fly commercial the next morning, usually at 6 a.m. Rent a car, get to the next hotel, in the next city, repeat. It is a grind. Baseball beat is the hardest one, I think, because of how long they're gone from February for spring training through October. It's hard. But the lifestyle can lead you to some very interesting places around the world. It's story time. NBA writer for so many years. He's been around the league before they even televised every single game, I think. The think one and that. only Brad Turner. <laughs> Beto, what's up, man? Wait, is that true? That, that's it. Right? They were doing games tape delayed on CBS Sports. Ooh. You had to step until 1130 at night to watch those games. But people were doing it. And I did, too. Yeah, heck yeah, you did. You've traveled all over the world mm -hmm. as a citizen yes. of the world. Yes. Where has NBA basketball taken you? Oh, man. Well, it's taking me to Paris, France, my favorite city, to London, which is kind of okay. Barcelona, Spain, our guy Paul Gasol's hometown. Croatia is coming up next for me. Amsterdam, I know what you're thinking. Yes, Amsterdam. They have good basketball there. They had, yes, and other things as well. Yeah, tourism. Tourism, yeah, yeah, yep. yeah. Prague, I mean, the Canary Islands. I went to Tenerife this summer. I mean, so it's taking me all over the world. And you, you bring that up. I have friends that live in Paris, and I have this app called WhatsApp. The WhatsApp, yeah. I, I the have Latinos that. love the WhatsApp. Man, let me tell you something. Well, my guys over there, they're always texting me about the Lakers. What I started doing is I started taking pictures at shoot arounds and at practices, and I would send it to them, and they couldn't believe it. My God, there's LeBron James. Yeah. Oh, my God. You know, there goes Lonzo Ball. There goes Luke Walton. Keep doing this. So it told me how powerful the Lakers are and how people follow them 
And my friends in Paris that I have, I've got about 10 friends there. They love to introduce me as, this is our friend Brad Turner from the LA Times who covers the Lakers. And the stories <laughs> begin. I mean, it's nonstop talk. Oh, wait, wait. You're doing story time in Paris? In Paris, France, Okay, from man. now on, you yes. do story time on arrival you know and leave late. You're exclusive you, you, to the you, LA you, Times right, story time. I, sorry about that, Paris. If you're listening, Paris, buddy, sorry, that's it. Give me one good story about international travels involving basketball. Mm. Well, it would be this past summer. What'd you do? I was in Paris visiting again for the 19th time. Oh, my god! And I speak very little French. Au revoir. Merci beaucoup. That's about it. That's all you need. That's true. And my friend works for a station called BN Sports. Yeah. He's their NBA producer, and he's the guy that does all the shows for them. He says, hey, look, LeBron James is in town in the east part of Paris. You should come out. And do he's doing the basketball camp. My response was, nope, I'm not doing it. He goes, why not? I said, it's 4 o'clock. I'll be drinking wine by that time. I won't be drunk yet. But you're feeling good. But I'm leaning in that direction. Yeah. He goes, but, why stop? He goes, but I'm interviewing him. I said, good for you. <laughs> Have a good time. He goes, come on, BT. Well, you were on vacation, right? I was on vacation. Yeah. And I had to tell him, hey, look, I have never met LeBron James in my life. I don't, I've met him once, but it's yeah. brief. And he goes, well, come by and check me out. Like, he ain't going to know me. So I figured, why not? I'll go over there to watch what he's doing. Okay. I go upstairs where he's doing the interview up. It's getting set up. His crew is saying, hey, can you uh, sit in this chair so that we can, um, I say, well, I don't look as good as LeBron James and I don't have a beard. Yeah. But why not? And you shaved your head. And I shaved my head. Mm-hmm. I'm like, he does. Yeah, you're not fighting him. No, I can't fight it. <laughs> I mean, LeBron shows up with his crew of people. He walks in. He walks over to do the interview with my friend. And then his people start to walk in. And one guy that in his pe- with him says, Brad, what are you doing here? His name is Lynn Merritt. Lynn Merritt is one of the biggest executives at Nike that you could possibly have. Okay. Lynn is the guy that has signed LeBron James for all of his contracts. He's the guy that LeBron James views as his father figure. I mean, that's how close they are. I've known Lynn for 25 years or so. We've been friends. We've been on planes together, going to different cities. We asked me, what am I doing here? I said, well, I'm here on vacation. Drinking wine. The guy interviewing LeBron is a good friend of mine. He goes, really? I said, and by the way, Lynn, I am going back to cover the Lakers again. He goes, it's going to be a crazy season with a crazy team. Yes, it will. I said, but Lynn, I don't know LeBron James. He goes, that's impossible. He goes, we'll take care of that. Interview's over. He tells another Nike guy, make sure LeBron meets Brad. I go outside. LeBron comes outside to go back to do another interview. And he said, hold on one second, LeBron. You have to meet Brad Turner from the LA Times. He's looking. I goes, I'm on vacation, man. I'm not doing a story. Yeah, he yeah. goes, all right, but it's all, it's, it's good, it's cool. I said, well, look, just so you know, I covered Kobe and Shaq and Rick Fox, Robert Ory, some Magic Johnson. But I told Magic, if you signed I was coming back. He goes, coming back? I was, yeah, I spent time with the Clippers, but now I'm coming back. So thank you and Magic. He started laughing. He goes, man, nice to meet you. Looking forward to seeing you back in L.A. He turns to leave, and his guy, Lynn Mary, goes, LeBron, come back. Hold on a second. He goes, this guy, Brad Turner, that's my guy. He is my dude. He is a good person and a good reporter. LeBron stops, comes back, shakes my hand. He goes, okay, that's what's up. Nice to meet you. From that point on, once I got to... L.A., went to the first practice. He did the interview with another 150 media people. He left the scrum and walked over and goes, how are you doing today? I'm doing good. I said, how are you doing? Doing good. He goes, did you like Paris? I said, well, I spent 16 days in Paris. He goes, what? Yes, I love Paris, LeBron. Then I asked him, how did you enjoy Berlin? He goes, it blew my mind 
to go to the same stadium where Jesse Owens ran in the Olympics. He goes, I thought that was pretty incredible. I said, so how was Amsterdam? He goes, that's a wild and crazy city. I goes, yeah, I know. He goes, what? I goes, yeah, I was there too. I get around LeBron. <laughs> <laughs> You know what I mean? You know, I, I'm not like you, you but don't know I, my life. I, I kind of do that thing, man. You know, and so from that point on, he always speaks. He's always just, if it's just hi, yeah. how are you today? We talk about wine up in Napa. Yeah, he's a huge wine oh, drinker. Oh, man. Well, so am I. Or, or connoisseur. I, mean, I, I don't want to say drink, but he's a connoisseur. You know what? He, I'm a connoisseur too. Yeah. I don't know what to drink. I don't drink wine anymore. I'm a connoisseur. There Fine wine. What is your connection with LeBron and wine? Man, I don't know. It's something that he does, Chris Paul does. Okay. A lot of guys, you know, come out of Anthony, Dwayne Wade. It's just, they're I think the, the older you get, up. you know, when you get a little yeah, bit older. You get in your 30s, you start drinking wine. You do. Well, yeah, probably started about 30 years old. Yeah. Well, I, I drank that other wine, but it wasn't real. No, nah, that Boone's Farm ain't No, working. that don't count. That, that sherry ain't working. No, no, that <laughs> does not count. They do not have <laughs> Boone's inside <laughs> Mad Dog 2020 in Paris. They do, they, have that. do they still sell Boone Dog? Hey, I've seen it. Oh, wow. I've seen it. Hey. Oh. The one and only, Brad Turner. Conversation is flowing. Let me give you a peek behind the curtain. Now, these story times were recorded on different days, but when it was time for BT to get in the chair, it felt like we were picking up the conversation. You know, I've known him a lot of years. Just in passing, you know, we would be in the scrum with the Lakers. Hey, BT, how you doing? Hey, cool, cool, cool. And you admire his work, but it's not like we're friends. I don't even have his cell phone number, but it sure does feel like it, right? It's BT. You know him. Oh, wow. It's BT. Beto, give give me some love, Beto. I like that love, Beto. BT all day. I like that love, Beto. When they say, who do you want story time with? I say, everybody. But just some reason, when BT comes in, he comes in like, like a wrecking ball, man. Come He's on, bringing man. it all Come over. On, Beto. Love, Beto. That's we, love, we, Beto. We need to do one. It's a special, just you and I, a wine. Ooh, wine. I like that. Because NBA players love their wine. I like but that. But NBA players also love different sports. Yes, right? they do. They, one yes. thing I've noticed in the last couple of years is a lot of these guys started talking more about MMA. And they've also been talking about boxing. Yes. Because Mayweather shows yes. up. Yes, yeah. Now, were you around when Rick Fox... Man, yeah, it the fight between Rondo and Chris Paul and Brandon Ingram it brought back memories to the Lakers and the Sacramento Kings. Okay, that was a deep seated rivalry in the early two thousand. Well, it didn't help the Phils calling him a cow town. Well, that and and what did Shaq call them cowboys? Yeah, yeah, Shaq got all kinds of names. I mean, just all kind of crazy names for them. But the Lakers had won their third straight title in two thousand. Right? And they beat the Sacramento Kings in this epic Western Conference final. Game seven was in Sacramento at the Arca Arena, little cracker box place. Yeah. It went to overtime. So they win it and they go on to beat New Jersey at the time, the Jersey Nets yeah. in the NBA Finals. Well, the teams also play preseason games, sometimes in Las Vegas. But this year, the game was at Staples Center. It's 2002. The game's going on. Next thing you know, Rick Fox and Doug Christie are face-to-face. Rick is elbowing and then putting his hand in Doug's face. That was a preseason game? Preseason game. I preseason. They haven't even started to see it yet. What are they even doing playing? Uh, well, yeah, that's another. Uh, you know what? It's a good moneymaker. Yeah, okay. To be honest. All right. So Doug gets in a good left. Bam. Yeah. And now Rick kind of throws one, but he makes, he misses. They break up the fight. We think it's over. Done. Well, Doug going to the locker room because he's been kicked out. Rick is going to the locker room because he's been kicked out. Fight starts over again in the locker room, in the hallway. Yeah. They're, out there, they're throwing blows at each other. And all of a sudden, who shows up out of nowhere? Doug Christie's wife, Jackie Christie. That's right. I don't know if she got a blow in. <laughs> 
I don't know if she <laughs> threw the purse at Rick, but this madness is going on. And the crazy thing is the entire Sacramento Kings bench left their bench and went to that tunnel near their locker room and they were trying to stop it or they were getting involved in it. The Lakers stayed on their bench because they were not quite sure what was going on, I don't think. And you had that rule, if you leave the bench and go into the court to start a fight, you also be suspended. And Shaq wasn't playing because he had to do a toe surgery. Yeah. And he wore this big pajama-looking outfit, right? So he walks down there and he's in the middle of the whole fight. And once he got there, things kind of settled down because the big fella was there. Yes. You could see him him and Vadi looking at each other, going eye to eye. I mean, it was um, it was a fun night. But that was a real fight. That right? was, oh, that was a real fight. But there was something that was brewing there, right? It had been brewing because they could not beat the Lakers. They okay. couldn't get over the hump. The Kings felt as if they had game seven at home with that team, with Vladi, with Mike Bibby, with Chris Webber, Doug Christie. They would beat the Lakers finally. Well, they had that game seven at home. They were in their arena. They had Pages to Yakovich. They had just great team. But the Lakers had Kobe and Shaq. And they still had Robert Orr making threes. They had Derek Fisher. And they had Phil Jackson as the coach. And they were just a better team as a group. And they beat them. And the Kings could never get over that hump. Rick Fox. <laughs> Pretty Ricky. Pretty Ricky. Pretty Ricky. North Carolina. Yes. Right? With the Bahamas. With the Bahamas. Canadian citizenship. Yes. If fighting, I just didn't expect you know, that. No, that was wood, but you really started to find out Rick has a little temper too. Did he? Obviously, he yeah, has. Oh, yeah, one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you can hit, yeah, you're going to. He'll mix it up. And Doug Christie, I'm thinking Pepperdine. Yeah, exactly. Seattle guy, Seattle, you yeah. know. So the, it was real there. Oh, look, they were going at it. I mean, they left the court, went into the hallway, and they're throwing left rights. What about later on in the season? Did it still escalate a little bit? It didn't because they all got fined for that. And I'm thinking guys got suspended as well. Mm-hmm. And at that time, the Kings were still still good. Still good. Lakers were still good. So why let that get in the That's middle true. of a rivalry? I mean, but it made it better. Oh heck uh, yeah. God, yeah I, I mean you can see that on YouTube all the time. I gotta go I mean, look it up you again. Look it up. Check then, it out. Then Rondo and Ingram and Chris Paul. Like, what's that deal about? Well, the deal is Rondo and Chris Paul despise each other. That bad. It's been that way since they were Rondo was in Boston and Chris was in New Orleans. Oh, wow. I mean, I wanted to get in contact with a few of the coaches for the Clippers who coached both of them. I mean, I think as we saw, Doc Rivers told that story, how much they disliked each other. Mm-hmm. So did Paul Pierce, who played with Rondo and also spent his last two seasons playing for the Clippers with Chris Paul. That's right. I mean, these are two guys that they will kick you and me in the head over marbles. They're that competitive? They're that competitive. But it's just that nasty, I can't stand the uniform you're wearing. I can't stand the look on your face. I can't stand the air you breathe because it's my air that you're breathing. That's how they feel about each other. And during that game, you saw the chatter. Yeah. You saw them you looking saw at it. each other and talking. Stuff. One time Chris scored, three-point play. He fucked his muscle and looked at Rondo. Yep. And he was not happy about that. You can see his mouth moving, the head moving. Something was being said. I'm sure it's not the stuff you want to teach no, your kids. No, no, But you know what? That's what everybody says. Oh, in the 80s, everybody used to do that. Mikhail, clotheslining, Rambis, all that stuff. Is it kind of that way? Yeah, no. Not that intense? It's not that intense. I mean, they talk trash to yeah. each other. I mean, because everybody's friends in the NBA now. They all they hang are. out. They all hang they out together. They go drink their wine But you're not going to have Mikhail clotheslining yeah. Craig Rambis again. By the way, I love it to bring that up to Craig Rambis. They make him really, really mad. If you don't make Craig, if you're not nice to me, I'll call Kevin Mikhail. Clothesline <laughs> your butt. <laughs> I mean, why not? You want to make, make him upset? Just say that to him. Story time with BT. 
It's a different era, of course, but the beauty of sports and why we love it is because of the memories passed along to new generations of fans. People tell you, oh, I saw Magic, I saw Koufax, the who's who, the Hall of Famers. And that's why sports, as much as it brings up debate, it takes you back to a place where everything just feels right. And that'll do it for the first edition of Storytime. That was fun. Pasadena kid and BT, Carson kid like me, living their reporter dreams. Now let us know what you think about this concept. Do it more, less. You know, we're all ears. Tweet us. Let us know. The Arrive Early, Leave Late podcast, produced by Dave Wine, engineered by Mike Heflin. Angel Rodriguez is the sports editor. I'm your host, Beth Legrand. Arrive Early, Leave Late, an LA Times Studios production. <laughs>